Chapter 31 of Sea Stories for Wonder Eyes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Miles. Sea Stories for Wonder Eyes by Mrs. A. S. Hardy. An Early Breakfast. An Early Breakfast. Down by the sea in the early morning, I read another tale. Queer little footprints dented the sand. The footprints were such as only the feet of birds could make. The tale that was written was of a banquet the old sea had been all night preparing for the birds of the air, for the water birds, and for the long-legged waders. The tide and the winds and the waves had all helped to spread the feast upon the white sand of the beach. A night of fasting had sent the birds early to the breakfast they were sure to find. In the sand we learned who had accepted the old sea's invitation, and in some cases we read what had been eaten for the breakfast. We knew who came by the kind of footprints left in the soft sand. Mangled sea snails and empty pompano shells revealed some of the things that had been eaten. Warblers had been there. They came hopping over the sand, leaving fan-shaped tracks in pairs. Other footprints with webs between the toes showed that swimmers had touched at the port in the early morning. Still others had left tracks that were farther apart, three-toed and not in pairs. We knew that these last were the tracks of long-legged waders, who with their long and slender beaks had searched the sand for worms, crab babies, and sea spiders. A few yards away, large, uncanny birds were greedily feeding upon dead fish regardless of our presence. They were buzzards, the scavengers of southern seacoasts. In spite of their being ugly and unmannered, we extend to them a kind of respect, for we learn to know they are among the best friends of the dwellers by the tropic seas, disposing as they do of decaying substances which otherwise must be harmful. Awkward as they seem when on the land, and greedy and offensive as they are in their manners, they are really beautiful in flight. With easy, graceful motion, and with only an occasional flap of his great wings, a buzzard seems to be showing what an easy thing it is to fly. There is another class of seabirds which are equally ungraceful upon the land, but for whom we also have a certain kind of respect. They are the great pouched pelicans. They care for no invitation to dine upon the sand, for pelicans have been fishers through many generations. The great pouches upon their beaks are large enough to fill several quarts and are not infrequently filled with hundreds of little fishes. These birds are too strong upon the wing, and it is a beautiful sight to see them hovering in the air at a considerable height above the water, circling and balancing until their keen eyes discover a school of fish in the depths below. Rapidly then they dart downward, plunging into the water with great force and diving out of sight. Very soon they appear again with the fish that they have captured. However the ungainly pelican may waddle upon land, it can but be admired upon the wing or as it dashes down, striking the water with a great splash, or again as it sails away, now rising, now falling with the crested waves. 
The bodies of these birds have great numbers of spaces between the skin which are filled with air. In this manner their bodies are cushioned, and to strike the water with such force as they do gives them no shock. The pelican's nest is built upon the ground among the reeds at the water's edge. Its two or three white eggs are guarded well, and it is in the wonderful pouch beneath its beak that the pelican carries supplies of food and water to its nestlings. There is an old-time fable telling that the pelican tears its breast, that it may nourish its brood with the blood that flows therefrom. Those who have studied pelicans say that this is not true, but the idea may have arisen from seeing the red tint that appears upon the beak and the breast of some of these birds. Pelicans are to be seen in great numbers along the shallow borders of the sea. When new land is forming at the southern extremity of Florida, they may be easily studied. No one harms them, for they, like the buzzards, are useful as scavengers. Without fear, they gather around passing vessels for scraps that may be cast out. Where piles are driven down near the water's edge to break the stress of waves, hundreds of these birds are to be seen perched, motionless and solemn, a funny lot of fishers, watching for game in the sea beneath them. Once upon a time, I sat on the deck of a little steamer and watched the pelicans as they sailed gracefully over the water and finally swooped down with a great plunge into the sea. Gray and white gulls were often their companions, and I learned that the friendly pelicans not uncommonly share their fish with the gulls, for of the fish that is torn to pieces enough is left upon the water to supply the gull with a meal and at no labor of its own to capture it. One who sailed with me and who knew the habits of these birds said, It is not uncommon to see a gull sitting confidingly on the back of a pelican as the latter rides through the billows. The gull, secure and happy, sure of the meal the kindly pelican will furnish. Because of its services to the gull, the pelican is sometimes called the gull's tender. Surely the ancients were right when they made the pelican an emblem of charity. End of chapter 31